0: Well, happy Easter, everybody. Um, Easter is a day filled with traditions. Um, when I was a kid, one of our traditions would be to color eggs. And traditionally, my sister's eggs would always look really nice. And traditionally, I would have more food coloring on my fingers than I would on my eggs. Um, Another tradition is you get your baskets filled with candy and stuff and that weird plastic green stuff that goes everywhere and you still find it six months later. Um, but my favorite tradition is lunch. Um, and so I'm looking forward to that later. But then I sort of got to thinking, um, Jesus was kind of a non-traditional guy. Um, he uh, he went to through Samaria and was talking to Samaritans and his disciples were kind of like, uh, Jesus, what, this is, this is not how we do things. You're kind of making me uncomfortable. Um, he would heal people on the Sabbath day and the Pharisees were all like, whoa, now, uh, you are really breaking some norms here. Um, but then I think he really set people off when he went into the temple and he saw people selling stuff, and he was like, well, what's going on here? And they were like, oh, this is this is how it's done. And he was like, oh, no, uh, not anymore. And uh, so he sort of, uh, he broke down a lot of the traditional ways that people had been coming to God. But the most important way was, before... His time, if you wanted to have a relationship with God, it was like, okay, here's the book of things that you need to do. There's got to be an animal, and you got to go to the priest, and you have to do all of this stuff. And he made it so that now, if you want to have a relationship with God, it's believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. And uh, today, Easter, we celebrate how he made that possible for us. And if you if you have never come to know God in that way, I pray that today would be the day that you, uh, you do confess with your mouth and believe in your heart and come to God. And for those of us who already have, communion is a time where we remember just what it cost. Um, the bread represents his body that he broke for us, and the juice represents his blood. And so I pray that as we take communion today, we all remember uh, just what he was willing to do so that we could come to him. Uh, let's pray. Our dear gracious Heavenly Father, uh, thank you for giving us this time to come together and uh, to celebrate the fact that you rose from the grave um, so that we could uh, finally have a relationship with you and uh, with our Heavenly Father and spend eternity with you. Um, We pray that you would uh, help us to always be grateful for the sacrifice that you have made. And these things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: morning. You guys are dismissed with Casey. Tyler, you're too big. (laughs) Oh, he's helping out. I get it. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, I believe that. So I feel like I've been writing this sermon for the last four months. Um. This year, we've been, well, even starting last December, we started with this idea, this, this one word, um, with. And it was the concept that God is with us. And it makes sense at Christmas time because Emmanuel means God with us. And it began to, in the last 12, to, well, one to two years actually, between um, different things that I've been reading, different things I've been studying. There's a a conference that I went to with a bunch of middle schoolers that I just absolutely connected with the content and the way that they um, the way that they just took the entire Bible and they made it into a there was some continuity to it if I can talk right Um, throw the, uh, the the triangles up there Aaron this was their logo. And uh, I, asked, I asked Christ in Youth, um, the organization um, that put on the Believe Conference, if I could use this, and they sent it to me. And the idea was that God is three, three in one. It's a, it's a foundational doctrine of the Christian faith that in the, in the Bible God is revealed as three, yet is always referred to as one. And if, if you will, the bigger triangle might be the, God the Father, the God revealed in the Old Testament, in the law, in the prophets, that it was this God whose spirit hovered over the waters at creation. This is Genesis 1. This is the, God created the heavens and the earth, and the Spirit of God hovered over the surface of the deep. And that God created all things, and man and woman, in his likeness, in his image, and he walked with them in the cool of the day. And then that communion, that interaction was broken by sin. And then this God decided to pursue his people and be with them and choose some out of the creation in order to be with them in different ways. Um, In the cloud, and in the fire, and in the burning bush, and in the mountain. But also in things that he had his people make, such as the tabernacle, where he his his presence went and filled a part of this tent of meeting where Moses met with him and then it over the centuries that changed into a, a grand temple that Solomon built and God was there in the midst of the holy of holies and he was with his people and his word went with them all wh- wherever they were they heard from the prophets and Jesus then came the word of God, and he was with them in the flesh, the second triangle, perhaps. And he walked with people, and he healed them, and he touched them, and John talked about this. This is what we've seen. This is what we've heard. This is what we've looked at, and our hands have touched concerning this word of life. This is what we're speaking to you. And Jesus then, he made claims about himself that he and the Father were one, and he knew who he was, and he was trying to communicate that he, was the, he is God in the flesh, entirely man, but yet fully God in every way. And he, get, he came to destroy the devil's work. He came to forgive sin. He came and he knew from the very beginning that he would give his life as a ransom for many. And so he conquered death by raising from the dead, which is the, the refrain of Easter. But is that all there is? I mean, this is central to our faith, what, I, what I've just said here. We could have our sins forgiven, that we could have this separation from God closed because of the blood of Christ who covers our sins. That's the good news. That's the essence of the gospel. But there's also the third triangle. There's also the Holy Spirit. Jesus didn't just raise from the dead and go to be with the Father and leave us alone. The words that he spoke before he ascended to the the throne were, I will be with you, how often? Always. Always even to the very end of the earth, to the end of the age. Well, how's he going to do that if he leaves? <laughs> he said he would send us a counselor, an advocate, a comforter. And so this, I'm hearing music. I'm not sure where it's coming from. Um... <laughs> Sorry, just, I thought if I can hear it, everybody else can hear it too. Um, where was I? So I began to think, um, how, do, how do all of these work together? Is that God from creation came near to his people, came near and nearer, but the God of the Old Testament could only come so close before he started frying people. You know what I'm saying? His holiness was more intense than they could bear. And then Jesus came and, and touched and walked and spoke. And, but he only went so far. He's one man. And he got around, but he only got within 70 miles of his hometown. So how does this f- further? Well, God went from being with us to being with us. Within us, as His people, and I began to think about all the all the ways, all the times that Jesus talked about this. And if um, I, I don't have these um, as slides on the screen, but I, I will be flipping. And if you're if you're a flipper, Bible flipper, or if you're good with your device, open up to Matthew sixteen. I'm only going to touch on a few of these because there are so many places where Jesus talked about his departure, his death, his resurrection, what would happen afterwards. Matthew 16, verse 21. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Sometimes the gospel writers will give a clue as to how his disciples reacted to these things, and this is one of them. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. And Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. My adversary, the one who stands in my way, get behind me. You're a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of man. While you're in Matthew, flip a page to chapter 17, verse 22. When they came together in Galilee, he said to them, The Son of Man, which is his favorite way of referring to himself, is going to be betrayed into the hands of men. They will kill him, and on the third day he will be raised to life. And the disciples were filled with grief. Flip another page to chapter 20. Verse 17. Now, as Jesus was going up to Jerusalem, he took the 12 disciples aside and said to them, We are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priest and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will be, and turn him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified. On the third day, he will be raised to life. It's the third time in as many chapters as Jesus talks about what's going to happen to him, each time giving more and more detail. What happened next was a power play with James and John, but we won't get into that. (laughs) Jesus was very aware of what was going to happen to him. Look at um, John. Flip over to the Gospel of John. Chapter 2. This is very early on in his ministry. John 2 Verse 19, this is after uh, the incident that Kyle referred to, um, clearing the, t- the temple of those selling, turning over the tables of the money changers. In chapter 2, verse 18, the Jews demanded of him, what miraculous sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all this? And Jesus answered them, destroy this temple, and I will raise it again in three days. Can you imagine standing in the temple mount, with all of these glorious buildings. Forty-six years it took to build all of what they were seeing. And the Jews replied, It takes forty-six years to build this temple, and you're going to raise it in three days. But John gives us a little explanation. But the temple he had spoken of was his body. And after he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he said. Then he believed the scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. He knew from the very beginning this was going to happen and he spoke these things sometimes in cryptic language sometimes just flat out plain simple language this is going to happen to me And then flip over in John chapter 14 I want you to see the the, the care that Jesus has for his disciples who are clearly confused And he preps them as much as he possibly can for what's coming. John 14, verse 12. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. Now, what has Jesus been doing? I mean, he's been going around. He's been feeding people. He's been healing people. He's been teaching lots of people. He's been doing all kinds of things that I couldn't imagine myself doing. He's been touching people no one would ever touch. He's been forgiving people of things that they didn't think they could ever be forgiven for. Jesus said, if you believe, if you have faith, you'll do what I've been doing. And then he says something that completely blows their minds and mine. He will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father and I'll do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. What is it that we're supposed to ask for? In context here, people pick this verse out and say, oh, Jesus wants me to ask for a Ferrari. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) Dear God, give me a Ferrari. Um, No, that's not not even close. What is he saying? We will do even greater things than these. I am going to the Father, and whatever you ask in my name... I will do it. Whatever you are going to do that I've been doing, that's what you can ask me to do and I'll do it for you. I'll do it with you. Verse 16, I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of Truth. Down to verse 26, But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Can you imagine going around with Jesus for all that time, hearing all these parables, listening to all these teachings, and you're like, oh man, I didn't even take notes. How am I going to get all this down? He's going to leave and I can't remember a thing. No, no, no. The Holy Spirit's going to remind you of everything I've told you. Chapter 15, verse 26. When the Counselor comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me, and you also must testify. And here's where I'm going with this. Chapter 16. Again, this is all Jesus talking. 16, verse 5. Now I'm going to him who sent me. Yet none of you ask me, where are you going? Because I've said these things, you're filled with grief. But I tell you the truth, it's for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. What could be better than having Jesus right there? What could be more fantastic than having the Son of God, God in the flesh, walk with you, talk with you, all these things that you've experienced and witnessed, what could be better than that? The Holy Spirit. And Jesus is telling them, look, I know you're sad about this, but this is the good thing that I'm leaving. i got to go. Otherwise, this part of the plan won't happen. Instead of just one God presence walking the earth, Once the Holy Spirit comes, now there are millions. Millions of places where heaven meets earth because the Holy Spirit is in the hearts and the lives of all of his people. Do you see how this is getting bigger and better? Do you see how this is even more than Jesus died to save me from my sins? He did that. And he resurrected to conquer death. But he also said I will be with you always. And you're going to carry my name and my likeness and my character to the world. This is our mission. This is our call. And there are people throughout Scripture that didn't get it. There are many of us who don't understand. Jesus said if you're not willing to lose this life, you can't gain something better. Unless a seed falls to the ground and dies, it cannot grow a plant that will produce a harvest. How do you, how do you, uh, how do you convince a baby in the womb? Man, you can't, I'll bet you can't wait to get born. <laughs> and they're like, no, I like it in here. <laughs> it's warm, it's dark, I feel my mama... I get all the nourishment I need. It's all tight and cozy. And, there, and you're like, no, no, no. You don't understand what it's like out here. You don't know what it's like to get a hug from your dad. You've not even said hello to your dad yet. And you don't, you don't know what it's like to run through a field of flowers and to taste bacon. You don't have any idea what this is going to be like for you. Can you imagine seeing the sunrise and, and going out in a boat and catching a fish? You can't do any of that where you're at right now. Oh, I think I'll just stay right here. It's so nice and cozy. They can't even grasp what the world is like outside the womb. Can you even imagine what's waiting for you outside of this broken world? Are you willing to cash this in for what's better? Are you willing to lose your life in order to save it? C.S. Lewis said, the Christian way is different. It's harder and it's easier. Christ says, give me all. I don't want so much of your time and so much of your money and so much of your work. I want you. I have not come to torment your natural self, but to kill it. Listen, Jesus didn't come to make you better people, to make you more moral, to make you follow the rules better. Jesus came so that you would die to yourself and that you would gain new life, a new creation in him. He goes on, no half measures are any good. I don't want to cut off a branch here and a branch there. I want to have the whole tree down. I don't want to drill the tooth or crown it or stop it, but pull it out. Hand over the whole natural self. All the desires which you think are innocent, as well as the ones you think wicked, the whole thing, I will give you a new self instead. I, in fact, I will give you myself. My own shall become yours. The terrible thing, he says, the most impossible thing is to hand over your whole self, all your wishes and precautions to Christ. But it's far easier than what we're all trying to do instead. For what we're trying to do is remain what we call ourselves. And to keep personal happiness as our great aim in life. And at the same time, yet be good. We're all trying to let our mind and heart go their own way, centered on money or pleasure or ambition, and hoping, in spite of this, to behave honestly and humbly. And that's exactly what Christ warned us you could not do. As he said, a thistle cannot produce figs. If I'm a field that contains nothing but grass seed, I cannot produce wheat. Cutting the grass may keep it short, but I shall still produce grass and no wheat. If I want to produce wheat, the change must go deeper than the surface. I must be plowed up and re-sown. Easter's all about the resurrection. It surely is. But why does Jesus spend so much time talking about giving up our lives, our wants, our desires, our wealth, because it's no sacrifice at all. Look what he did. Look what he gave up. In obedience to the Father, look what he did. He modeled it for us. In Mark chapter 10, is one of a few different places where he says something like this. Mark 10, verse 29. I tell you the truth, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age, homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and fields, and with them persecutions and in the age to come, eternal life. Here's what I want to try to do to, uh, to get this real. And here is your assignment, and I have five minutes to tell you. First of all, I need a few um, uh, people who are willing to pass out money that doesn't belong to them. Anybody? Come on up here and help me pass out money. I've got money to give you. Everybody gets a dollar. Anybody over here want to hand out money? Okay. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Okay, there's one. I think, that'll, I think that should be enough, but I'll give you that instead. Everybody gets a dollar. Everybody. Everybody. You may have heard me talk about an author named Bob Goff. He wrote a book called Love Does, which I highly recommend you read. But first, let me tell you about a kid in uh, the youth group that we had in Indiana. His name was Doug Annawalt. Doug was a special kid in many ways. He didn't know a stranger. He was very gregarious, very out there, very smart, very smart kid. And he would just, anything he thought of, he could do it. There was no limits to him. He would go around his school on a weekly basis and he would just go up to random people and say, hey, you got a quarter? And they'd be like, "Well, oh, yeah, I think so. Here, I'm here, here, good. Thank you very much. And he would walk away. He would do that a dozen times a day. And at the end of the week, he'd have 10 bucks. Got a quarter? Uh, yeah, sure, okay. Why? I don't know, but he did. And he would do things like that all the time. He wasn't afraid to ask. I don't know what he did with the money. Probably bought Little Debbie's and <laughs> stuff like that. Here's, here's the thing about the dollar. Anybody need a dollar? Raise your hand if you didn't get one. Okay. Go ahead and bring the, the leftovers up here, okay? <laughs> Bob writes a, um, thank you. Bob writes a chapter in his book, Love Does, called Bigger and Better. And he says, when I was a kid, we used to play a game called Bigger and Better. In this game, everybody starts with something of little value, like a dime or a dollar. And then everybody heads out to the neighborhood to see what they can trade for it. You knock on people's doors, you ask if they'd be willing to trade something for the dime, and you go to the next door with whatever they traded you. The goal was to come back with something bigger and better than what you started with. The bigger it is, the better. My son Richard set out with a dime a while back. He went to the first door and he said, Hi, we're playing bigger and better. I have a dime. I'm hoping to trade you for something bigger. Do you have anything better that you can trade me? And the guy at the door had never heard of this game. Nevertheless, he was immediately in and he shouted over his shoulder to his wife, Hey, Marge, there's a kid here and we're playing bigger and better. I love that he said we. What do we have this bigger and better than a dime? Richard walked away with a mattress. Rich went with his buddies to the next door and they knocked while Rich stood in the porch with his mattress. The door opened and a muffled voice could barely be heard as he shouted through the pillow top asking if his next neighbor would trade him for something bigger and better than a mattress. A little while later, he skipped away from the house having traded the mattress for a ping pong table. Richard wheeled the ping pong table to the next house and traded up for an elk head. How cool is that? I would have stopped there, but Rich didn't. He kept trading up. By the end of the night, when Rich came home, he didn't have a dime or a mattress, a ping-pong table or an elk head or the five other things he traded up. Rich drove home in a pickup truck. (laughs) No lie, he started with a dime and then ended up with a Dodge. (laughs) And then he he quotes another C.S. Lewis. It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling around with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what it's meant to offer to be offered a holiday by the sea we are far too easily pleased Jesus I think some people are so hung up with Jesus just wants to to uh, to tell me what to do and he wants to take away all my all my fun and Jesus just No, Jesus is saying, play bigger and better. You give up that thing that you've been toying around with that you think makes you happy and you think makes you secure and you think makes you comfortable and trade it up for something that I have to offer you, something bigger and better and of infinitely greater value. And we say, no, I think we'll just stay right here because I can't even imagine what you have that's any better than this little thing that I have. The cool thing is, he says, taking Jesus up in his offer is that whatever controls you, doesn't control you anymore. People who used to be obsessed about becoming famous no longer care whether anybody knows their name. People who want power are willing to serve. People who are used to people who used to chase money freely give it away. People who used to beg others for acceptance are now strong enough to give love. And I would add. People who used to grovel in guilt and shame now walk in confidence and forgiveness and grace. Here's the thing about the dollar. I want you to play bigger and better. I want you to go to your workplaces. I want you to go to your neighbors. I want you to go to your family members. And I want you to say, I've got a dollar. What do you have that's bigger and better than this? And you can play as long as you want. But you're going to get, for, for those of you who are here, you're going to come back next week. You're going to have seven days to play this game. And here's what you might even be able to shoot for. There's a ministry we have here. Some of you may have heard of it. It's called the Orange Swan. They're in constant need of furniture, beds, dining room tables, appliances, cook stoves, refrigerators. Anything else? Anything <laughs> else? That's good, okay? it's a good start. Or the finances to be able to get those things used on a regular basis, which they use petty cash to do. Or you might have a neighbor that really needs something and you don't know how to help them. You play bigger and better, and you might be able to bless your neighbor with something. Even if you're the, the servant who got the one talent and you buried it in the ground, and you bring it back next week, and you put it in the offering plate, I might might call you wicked and lazy, but at least you gave it back. I'm kidding. I won't call you names. I'm just saying. If I find a bunch of $1 bills in the offering plate, I'm going to be hacked. That's what I'm going to be. At least trade up for a fiver. You know what I'm saying? And it all goes to kingdom work. It all goes to something that will bless others in ways that $1 can't, but something else could. And you don't know what kind of conversations you might have with people saying, you know, my crazy preacher is telling me to do this, and you got anything better than a $1 bill? What is that all about? Well, let me tell you. Here's what we're going for. Here's what we want to do. We're over time already, um, but I think people will understand. Uh, What I'm trying to do is to live out the resurrection to live out this great, grand life. Come on up here, guys. We're going to sing. Um, that we've been called to. And, um, and it's bigger than just having your sins forgiven and getting your ticket punched to go to heaven. It's bigger than that. It's better than that. That's good. That's great. But it's so much more than that. Don't walk away from Easter just saying, oh, I guess I'm safe because Jesus died for me. Well, yeah, but you're going to live for him. And he's got so much more that he wants us to offer the world in his name. And and it's grace. And sometimes it's it's hard because you don't think people deserve it. But then again, neither did I. Let's stand and sing together.